Got my breath, Caroline? And then I'm going to bring in the kids. Father, we thank you for Caroline. I thank you for her heart, uh, for you, Jesus. I thank you for the well she's dug over many years in your word. I thank you that she spent time in your presence this, this week preparing for this talk. We bless her in your name, Lord, as she gives out, as she delivers what you have for us. Would you fill her afresh, Lord? Would she speak your words over our lives? We give her permission this afternoon to speak into our lives as a community, as a, as a part of your church, Lord. We bless her in your name. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, if you have a Bible, um, I'd like you to turn to Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. There's a collection. Okay, Philippians 1. Verse 6. Um, in the past, it was quite often a, a kind of a thing that when someone was preaching, they would have a verse that they were focusing on. Um, we don't tend to do that particularly, um, but if I was going to have one, this would be it. And Paul is writing a letter to the um, Philippian Christians to encourage them, to teach them, to um, help them grow in their relationship with Jesus. And he says this when he, um, in his greeting, that he is confident of this very thing, that he, that's Jesus, who began a good work in you, will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So that when um, a work has been begun by God in a person's life, that it, it's going to be ongoing. God's going to work with us. But it kind of presupposes something. Now, we've been looking at the um, Freedom in Christ discipleship course as a mosaic community. So for those of you who have not been part of that, what I'm doing is actually drawing together all the things that we looked at, thought about. But I'm not going to revisit every session. What I'm going to do is just draw out some thoughts. Um, and if someone else was doing this, they would no doubt draw out different things. Um, so these are my observations. So it's not going to be an in-depth revisit of all our sessions that we've had. So it began with um, telling us what the world is like and why things are how they are. That God made humankind um, to be whole, to be without sin, um, relating perfectly to God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, to each other and to the whole of creation. That's how God made the world. And those first humans were totally, they knew they were totally significant, secure and accepted by God. They were completely confident in who they were and who God was to them, who the, what the created world was to them. It all worked perfectly. We cannot even begin to imagine what that was like because we have never been in a situation where everything is perfect. We are not perfect human beings. So it's really difficult for us to grasp that. We have to accept that that's how it was by faith. This state of affairs was steamrolled by our enemy Satan and consequently we and all creation is now out of order. It's in a, a state of um, like running down, can't remember what the word, entropy, that's it. 
So it's kind of winding down and, and things go wrong. And we know we don't even have to look very far. It's in the newspaper, it's on the television, it's on the radio. Uh, we know that the world doesn't kind of operate how we expect it to. And uh, we find it in our own lives that there are things that don't work out. So all of creation is out of kilter. Now, humankind seeks to find significance, security, and acceptance in many ways, most of them without reference to God, because we are fallen in our nature. We have all inherited, if you like, the spiritual genetics of those first humans. So, and, and even if we've we got some doubt about that, like psychologists and other people try and convince us that all human beings are basically good and nice. Well, anyone who's had a child, um, did you ever have to teach them to do wrong? <laughs> Didn't they do it all by their little selves? You know, and even, like, you know, I can remember being in someone's house and, you know, whoever it was, was just learning to crawl. And so they were going to open the door of the cupboard where the saucepans were. And the, the voice of authority said, no, because you have a way that you say things, don't you? When, when you're, and, and, then, and then there was like, well, I'm going to just touch it. Yeah. No. And so the voice becomes a little bit more emphatic, you know. Um, and then what's really funny is watching this child turn around and look. And they look and they've got all this attitude. Where does that come from? They haven't learned that. Um, someone's not said to them, like, this is how to be naughty. No, it's all natural, um, and we're all like that. We're born with this kind of sense of rebellion. Well, I'm not going to do that. Um, and also, we're born with a, a kind of suspicion towards God um, and of his attitudes towards us. Enter Jesus. Yay! He has paid the price for our rebellion. Um, he's opened the door um, on a relationship with God. But there is something that we need to do because we have said we have hearts and minds and we're all in rebellion to God. We're in rebellion. That's kind of, and you know, when you see the notice that says, don't walk on the grass, don't touch the paint, of course you want to do it. So what we have to do is submit our proud, rebellious hearts, minds and spirits to God. We have to admit that we are rebels and sinners. No excuses, no self-justification, except that God is God. And in, the and in the person of Jesus Christ, the state of affairs can be changed. It is possible to be changed, because Jesus has made it possible. So that's where we need to begin in our discipleship process, because it's supposing that we have already made that step, that we have already bowed our proud, stubborn hearts to the love of the Lord Jesus. So now we enter into a discipleship process where we begin to grow, where we begin to allow the Holy Spirit to change us. We are made for eternity. God is eternal. And when he made the first humans, it, he wanted them to be eternally with him. But the, what we call the fall has changed all of that. So there's still the desire for eternity within us. And the Bible says God has set eternity in the heart of man. But the thing is, only eternity can fill eternity. So all of us 
have that longing for eternity, but we try and fill it with things that are not eternal. Sometimes we try and fill them with people. Now, it's, it's good to have friends. Um, it's good to be in relationship with each other. But no other human being can fill the eternal spaces in our lives. And actually, until we submit to Jesus, until we receive him as saviour, and the Holy Spirit begins to work in our lives, we're not really free to enter into wholesome relationship. And often we will draw the energy of others, if you like, that sounds a bit new agey, but um, to fulfil ourselves and we can easily wear people out. If we have not sorted that initial um, need that we all have. So in order that our relationships with others should be wholesome and good and helpful, um, we need to get that initial thing sorted. Obviously, I don't need to tell you that possessions don't satisfy. Um, you know, fashions change and we get bored um, because we're, because I'm tight, we're looking for the next um, kind of exciting thing. And that's one of the things, humans get bored because there's a, a, the need for the novelty. Um, so the, that initial um, submitting to God, receiving um, Holy Spirit into our lives is what makes a difference in all of our relationships and all our dealings with the world around us. Our longings for significance, security and acceptance are only perfectly gained in Jesus. He's the, one who can, uh, he's the only one who can do all those things for us. Um, and he wants to do that. He wants to help us um, to live uh, healthy, wholesome lives. And so that brings me back to that verse in Philippians. Because once we have made that step, once our, our hearts are submitted to Jesus, then he will work in us um, that he, having begun that good work, he will then bring it to fruition. He will complete it. And when it says the day of Jesus, it means Jesus returns. So if we're still around when Jesus returns, at that precise moment, we will become perfect anyway. Um, so these instructions will no longer be necessary, uh, which would be great. Um, and if he came back before I had to stand up here and speak, that would be even better. Um, but hey, um, so... One of the things that we um, looked at with the discipleship course was the idea of being in a battle. Um, we have an enemy who is absolutely set on our destruction, uh, as he was on Jesus' destruction. The battlefield is played out pre predominantly, I would say, in our minds, how our thoughts work. And if Satan can get the opportunity to stick his big size nines in the door of our minds, there is every chance we will end up buying his shoddy goods. One of his things is, and he, he began with this, is to cast doubt on God. And his question was, what has God really said? You know, does God really love you? Like, did just, just remember what you did yesterday. And that kind of questioning in us um, that we might hear nattering on um, is his way of making us insecure. So we said that perfect security in Jesus um, and 
because we're born with doubt as part of the package of being a fallen human being, um, he's got a lot to work on. And there are things that he, he will take advantage of. And he doesn't fight by Queensbury rules or Geneva Convention. Okay? So if in the... We'll go for old-fashioned weapons. If you've dropped your sword, he's not going to stand back like a gentleman and wait for you to pick it up. He's going to kick you in the teeth while you're down there picking up your sword. So um, we mustn't enter into discussion. And one of the things that is really important to do is immerse ourselves in truth. And that's, we immerse ourselves in the truth of scripture. Um, that I think I've said this before, like when the Americans are going to preach, you know, you all hold your Bible up in the air and the preacher says, um, repeat after me. And this is my Bible. This is my Bible. It ha I have what it says I have. And I can do what it says I can do. And it goes on. There's a whole load of whatever. No, 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 sorry, no. Mate, another, another time, we'll start with it another time, okay? But there is truth in that, um, that we have what it says we have, we can do what it says we can do, um, and we are what it says we are, good and bad. Um, so immersing ourselves in the truth of God's word. Uh, we read it, we can listen to it, if reading's not our thing, Find, um, you know, uh, whatever gadget floats your boat so that you're listening to scripture. Singing, you know, the words that we've been singing. Is there, is there a phrase? Are there words that really kind of hit home to you and they're something you think, oh, yeah, I like that, that line. Well, write it out somewhere. Stick it above your mirror. Do something. Immerse ourselves in it. Make sure that we um, meet with other people who also are followers of Jesus. And then, um, because when we do that, we, we can encourage each other, like we talk about the, the thankfulness. We, as we share life together, we're feeding on truth. And that's really important because it's like anything. If you don't feed, you fizzle out. And we need to feed our, all of ourselves. Now, when Jesus tempted uh, was tempted by Satan, he didn't get into a discussion. And he didn't sit down and say, well, let, let's have a, a working group on it. He quoted truth um, when Satan said, well, if you're really God, Jesus said, it is written. He didn't even say, I am saying to you. He said, it is written. So Jesus called on the scripture. And so if he did it, that's a good thing for us to do too. Um, one of the things about entering into discussion, it's all right, we might discuss things together and we're sharing um, as equals. When it's the enemy, he's got an ulterior motive and his ulterior motive is our downfall. And one of the problems that can occur is when we begin to enter into a discussion about it, um, uh, the temptation may well be to justify what we're doing, especially if we're being tempted to do something. Well, there's lots of good reasons why I should have whatever it is or do whatever it is. I'm tired, so I really do need that big bar of chocolate. You know, I'm not sure how the logic works there, but anyway. Um, but we'll find a way. And, you know, Jesus talked to people. He said, you know, you can always justify your actions, and we can. And the thing to do is not to get into excuses and actually it's a good thing with each other that if there's a problem and we have actually done something that's not right 
let's not make excuses. Let's just say, hey, you're right. Will you forgive me? You know, I was wrong. And, and then we haven't got all this self-justification stuff going on. So, Jesus quoted that which was already true. So we do the same. So are we taking time out to immerse ourselves in truth? Are we answering the whisperings of the enemy with the scripture? It may even help when um, there are doubts and we're kind of thinking, mm, get a, look up a verse in the Bible that, that answers that. If it's a question about God loving us and, we, and, and there's a doubt in our mind, does God really love me? Oh, it doesn't, doesn't feel like it today. Um, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that whoever, well, I'm whoever, so it must be okay for me. And read it out, read it, and read it to your doubts. Um, these are things that we need to do, immerse ourselves in the truth. And we can be confident that God, who has begun a work in us, will bring it to completion. Um, one of the other aspects of our spiritual lives that we looked at is in the realm of the emotions. Now, emotions are part and parcel of being human. And actually, in all the way through the Bible, God describes his own emotions. He talks about himself as the way that he loved his people. He was disappointed when they, um, they went off and uh, worshipped idols. And so we know that emotions are good. They're part of who we are and they're part of how God created us to be. And that Jesus um, is described, you know, how he, he laughed, he cried, he got frustrated, he was moved with compassion, he got angry. And he knows about the human condition. But what he didn't do was allow his behaviour and his responses to be ruled by his emotions. If we move in the realm of the emotions primarily, and I can tell you this, the church over the years that I've been a Christian, which is since 1977, it's gone through all sorts of interesting fashions. Um, and that sounds like a weird thing to say about the church. Now, there are some things that have been the same all the way through. People believe in Jesus, believe that um, we are, um, we've become acceptable to God through Jesus' sacrifice. The Holy Spirit works in us. Okay, But there's also fashions of, like, when I became a Christian, it wasn't really, um, you weren't encouraged to show how you felt about God. So smiling when you were singing was a little bit suspect. Okay? Um, that uh, faith was kind of a, a more sort of internal thing. It wasn't private in that I was expected to share my story with other people, but you didn't sort of jump about and raise your hand and that kind of thing. And then uh, along came the, um, well, we had Pentecostal before, and then we've got Charismatic Renewal, Salvation Army, all of these um, different moves of God um, encouraging us, actually, to be more whole in our approach to God, that it was okay to <coughs> sing, to smile, to clap, to play a tambourine, whatever it was. Um, and that, again, these are good things. So no one's saying that we shouldn't do any of these things or anyone is right or wrong. Um, but if we primarily 
are focused on how we feel, our Christian life can become a very confusing and um, sort of uh, exhausting, I think, thing, because it's like God is only real for us when we feel good. Um, so when we don't feel good, that must mean God's somehow distant. And so that brings us back to immersing ourselves in truth, that however we feel, God is with us. He is working in us by the power of the Holy Spirit, and he is not going to stop working while we are walking with him. If we overthink, that's a kind of common thing. Um, and parents probably do this a lot. Um, you're more likely to do it when your children are teenagers, I think. Um, I've used this illustration before, but one time when I was talking to Livewise, and I pointed out to them that, you know, maybe you've gone out, you've been allowed to stay out a bit later than usual, but you come back much, much later than usual, and you might come back drunk. Um, or whatever it is. This is the older live wise, by the way, not the, you know, <laughs> not, not the tiddly squats. And you walk in the door and your mum gives you a clip round the ear roll and a hug. And what's that about? Um, why did you get the clip round the ear roll? Or whatever it was. Or maybe it was just like... <laughs> um, and the, the problem will have been that she will have um, rehearsed in her mind all the possible scenarios that that young person may have been through. They will have in their mind rehearsed, um, uh, you got stabbed. Well, that, see, that's not a, a outside the bounds of possibility. You um, went under a bus because you were too drunk to notice it was coming. Uh, you know, all kinds of things. And if you're a girl, maybe even worse. And because of the way that our bodies work, um, when we begin to overthink and we go round and round with these kind of things, our, our mind makes it real to our body. And we produce all kinds of um, chemicals that are meant for um, dealing with a, a stressful situation, but they've got nowhere to go. So, of course, when that young person walks in the door, they get the lot. Um, a friend of mine uh, who had a very, very stressful and demanding job found herself on her way to work, driving her car, and someone cut her up in it, found herself biting the steering wheel. And I may have used this illustration before. And she realised that biting the steering wheel probably was a symptom of something quite serious. Um, apart from the teeth marks in the leather on the steering wheel. And she thought, this is, I am just so angry. And she realised that it was because of the frustration and the stuff that was happening at work. So she went to have some counselling and some prayer and help because the chemicals that were all building up in her, were um, that's, that was how they worked their way out. And that can work its way out in us being depressed because these are toxic things. So if we overthink situations, if we go round and round and round, um, it can actually have a devastating effect on, on all our being, our bodies, um, as well as our minds. And so it's really... Um, important to try and, if we can, break that circling round. To um, learn um, how to, like, capture the thoughts, it says about taking your thoughts captive. And I always think it's, I kind of think of, you know, Wonder Woman's um, golden lasso thing, that when there's a, a thought beginning to go off in a kind of direction that may be unhelpful, you have to capture it with truth. 
you know, because a lasso is all about truth, and people can't help but tell the truth when they're grabbed by it. And so the truth is a really, really important thing that we grasp it, we immerse ourselves in it. Um, we are um, people who, that's, that comes to mind, as, uh, even if it's simultaneously with the unhelpful thought. You know, I've, I've had, like, um, what do you call it, revenge fantasies, where I've, actually, I've worked out how I can actually bump someone off. And if it was like, if I've got, like, if I'm going to shoot them, that I'm going to get the, um, I've got to get the angle right so that it can't be traced back to me, you know. And, and I thought, you know, this isn't right. So I actually had to go and talk, talk to someone about the person who was pinning me off. And um, so, you know, and you have to take it captive. You know, you've got to say, no, it's not really good to go and bury someone under the concrete, you know, of the new building or whatever. So, um, yeah, well, I, I was thinking, no, I'm not, no, I'm not going there, no! I'm taking it captive. So, um, one of the things that we also um, have to contend with is that there may be, things that have happened to us in the past. And it's um, and our, some of our negative emotional responses may be locked in very real, very traumatic, very difficult things that have happened to us in the past. And it may be that we will need, uh, they're blighting our life in the present, and we may need to have some help and some prayer in dealing with that. The other thing is, it's it is possible to deliberately hang on to the past um, and keep revisiting something that we really need to let go. Now, I realise that's very easy for me to say, and I'm not um, saying that this is an easy thing to do. I'm trying to put it out there so we can begin to think, do we need to make some response to this? When Jesus died on the cross, and we really often focus on our sinfulness, when we like a communion or even, you know, there's power in the blood, we focus on the fact that we have done wrong. Well, that's only part of the story. And sometimes an even bigger part of that story can be the fact that when Jesus died on the cross, he also died for the wrongs that have been done to us and that may make us respond in particular ways to situations. Now, again, I'm not saying this is an easy thing, but as we choose to bring our lives more and more into line with Jesus' will, as we submit to his lordship, then the Holy Spirit is free to work in our lives and begin to change those situations and to help us change our ways of thinking and feeling. It may be a long-term process. There's a story in, um, that Jesus tells about a crop in a field that has weeds in it. And the, um, the, the gardener says to his boss, well, I, it was good seed that we planted. Where, where's all this um, come from? And it's a particular kind of weed. It's called a tear, T-A-R-E. And the thing about the tear is it looks like a, a sprig of wheat, but it's got no seeds inside it. It's empty. And so this crop had grown up alongside it, and, the, the, and, and so the gardener says, well, shall I tear it all down? And, um, you know, and the gardener says, I mean, the boss says, no, don't do that, because you may um, rip up the thing that is good and growing. 
we'll wait until they're all fully grown and it's much easier to see which is which, then we'll separate them. Now sometimes we might look at other people and say, well, God seems to be like he's all galloping away in that person's life and he's not doing the, what I want him to do in my life. Sometimes God will allow things to stay with us for a little bit because he's trying to get to the root of it. And sometimes a root of something may take a while to fathom out because we may not know where that issue has come from. So we need to be patient with ourselves but also um, determined that we're going to submit to God's rule and reign in our lives and allow Holy Spirit to begin to work within us. When we, um, one of the things we looked at um, as the part of the freedom in Christ was the fact that we are completely new creations. And I likened it to the difference between being a potato, and that's how we were, and now we're gazelles. <laughs> so we've gone from being potatoes to being something quite different, completely different sort of creature being. And that's what happened. Now, when we look in the mirror, we may see the same person and we wonder, well, did anything really change? Um, yes, it has. Um, when we submit to Jesus, when the Holy Spirit begins to work within us, we are completely different people. And, and then what we need to do is walk in the truth of those facts. It is a fact. We have changed. And when we looked at that, um, we kind of we thought about um, how we have responsibilities as well. That as Christians, it's not lie back and think of England. It's there are things that God expects, if you like, not expects, but that we need to do. Um, so it's no good thinking that, oh, I really should know more about the Bible, but leave it on the shelf. Obviously, you've got to read it. If you're going to learn a language, you have to apply yourself to the study. You have to find a good teacher and you have to learn the language. So there are things for us to do. They don't make us Christians, okay, but they help us in our growth together and in our maturing. Now, you can't be half and half. You cannot be a potato and think that having some gazelle legs would be a good idea. Okay? It would look very strange. <laughs> and it is possible, and, and I don't think I'm preaching to anyone in this position here, but um, I also do a, a thing called Gather on Friday, and there are people there who really quite like hanging out with Christians. They really enjoy it. They, they like that there's a good atmosphere. They like the fact they're supported, they're prayed for, um, they're helped and encouraged. And I think it would be tempting to think, for some people, that doing all of that actually makes you a Christian. But of course it doesn't, because until we're submitted to Jesus, the Holy Spirit cannot take up um, his life and purpose within us. So, when we enter into a relationship with the three-person God of the cosmos, we discover that what he wants to do in us is to... He wants us to work with him. And his work um, is to bring heaven to earth. We will serve our community of faith where we make our spiritual home. We will pray God's kingdom into being. And we'll share our story with the world. These are the things where God wants us to be involved with him. It, like I said, it's not a passive thing. The Christian life is... Is active. It is. Um, it's full of opportunities, 
Um, and it's full of the, uh, the purposes of God and them actually um, coming to fruition in our world. And even today, if you have prayed and you've prayed for something or someone, you have been part of all the, the big picture that God is doing in the world. The world will be changed because we are here and because in us, heaven comes to earth. So I don't know um, if anything particular um, has kind of struck you. One of the things that we've talked about is the need sometimes for us to do something. And it may be, um, for some people, uh, we've been encouraging people to think about baptism. Now, um, Mosaic community, we baptise people because they want to indicate publicly that they've um, determined that they're going to follow Jesus. But we are also happy to baptise people where they feel that they've um, maybe turned a corner in their life. There's a new direction. Um, it's, this is not baptism to, um, to say that you're following Jesus, but it's a declaration, a milestone in a person's life to say they want to do something um, publicly to show that they are moving in a different direction. And we are very happy as a Mosaic community to do that. If you're not part of our community, then you might have to talk to your own um, leaders that you're submitted to um, as to whether if you feel that would be an appropriate thing for you. So um, I'm going to uh, leave some time in silence for a little bit. And um, I would say, ask yourself, are there any of these things that, is there something um, that we need to give our attention to as God sort of taps us on the shoulder um, or in my case, giving you a poke in the ribs and he's saying, you need to think about this or I'd like us to think about this together would be a more appropriate thing. Um, so we'll spend some time in silence and then I will pray for us. So Father God, we thank you for your um, 
for them willingness to be part of fallen humanity. And that is your desire to make uh, worshippers out of rebels. And as we have submitted to you as Lord and received you as Saviour, so the Holy Spirit is at work within us and we can be sure that the one who has begun a good work in us will complete it until Jesus returns. And so now, Father God, we ask that you will send us in the power of the Holy Spirit um, to bring heaven to earth as we go out into the world. And Father, we, um, we ask that you'll remind us of what we've thought about and is there some um, a nudge to us that we need to take notice of and to take action on. Father, thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Incidentally, this is not um, like comprehensive. We will probably visit um, this kind of teaching um, again in the not-so-distant future, I would think. Um, so it's not a tick-box exercise. Amen. Amen.